What's up, everybody? This is episode 115 of Cooldown Time. This is a weekly show where two longtime friends cool down and talk about video games. I am your graphically impressive host, Marco, and joining me is the technical mess of the show, Pablo. Pablo, how you been, man? What's going on with you? Yeah, been pretty good. Uh, uh, relaxing this weekend. Uh, Starting a new work week this mm. week, but you know it's all good. Fourth of July is coming up. I don't really do anything on Fourth of July anyway, uh, but yeah, just here ready to talk about some video games. I watched Indiana Jones oh. and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, is it as bad as people say it is, or is it kind of just all right? Here's the thing: hate culture online has taken. <laughs> I know you this... didn't start, but with hate culture tangents, because it, it really started there. Because I remember a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago, uh-huh. it was everywhere. People were saying, "Hey, the female character in this in this in this movie goes back in time and essentially kills Indiana Jones, and we're gonna see her go through all the adventures that Indy did, and she's gonna be the new Indiana Jones." Now that's not a spoiler, and- is it? No, because that couldn't be further from the truth. It's complete poppycock. It's a regular <laughs> Indiana Jones movie oh, that on. people that people weaponized to try and, 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 and make it as woke culture has ruined another one of their franchises. Oh, that's the thing. What it is a pretty much by the numbers Indiana Jones movie. If you're a fan of Indiana Jones, you're gonna enjoy this. They make a decision at the end of this movie that you're either gonna love or not love. I was more on the not love part, but I was still okay with the movie because I I like. I like the movie itself. Okay. I'm even one of those kind of Crystal Skull apologize, apologizers where I feel like that movie's bad, but it isn't as bad as people say it is. Uh, but mm. I like Dial of Destiny. I think they do a lot of cool stuff. It, it's a really cool Indiana Jones movie. Uh, I just wish that they didn't make that decision at the end. Obviously, I won't spoil it. But for all any of you guys who listen to this podcast who might have thought that they ruined your franchise because they hired a female actress, go fuck yourself. But also... It's not that, so go watch it. But still, go fuck yourself. I want to also refer to the fact that that you are the first person since 1914 to say poppycock. I want you to know that. You have dusted... Pablo has this thing nowadays where he dusts off the, the oldest words in the English language. <laughs> we play Rainbow Six, right? And this man will call people nitwits, <laughs> nincompoops... And all kinds of old, old insults from the ancient era. Um, it's because the, the level of stupidity cannot be explained. So you have to go to the origins of I know, humanity. but you're going back to the, like, the, ta- like the tablets, <laughs> like the literal stone tablet <laughs> words of, of old, old English is what you're doing. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go back to like the Hebrew text. We got, and, we're not and, going to Hebrew and look up here. some uh, look up some uh, some ancient uh, insults. We're not doing all I, that. I'm running out of them, man. These people are, got me at my wit's end. I'm running out. Alright. Well, I mean, you know, maybe just maybe just stop watching Indiana Jones movies and you won't have that problem. I've been doing that for years and I've been, I turned out great. Um, I mean, hey, listen, if you have not been watching Indiana Jones for the past couple of years, you haven't been missing much, yeah, but... That's what I hear. That's what I hear. Yeah. Um, once again, thanks for asking, Pablo. I'm doing fantastic. Um, hey, man, how are you doing? Wow, 
Just late. Guys, that's not a, and by the way, we're not on a delay. He uh, he definitely <laughs> asked after my sarcasm. I just want to make that clear. You know, a lot of TV delay stuff happens out there on real stuff. Huge delay. Well, I can't hear what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, see, that's what happens so with So rude. Hasn't answered yeah. my question. Wow. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that reverse psychology. Look at that gaslighting going on. <laughs> on E right now is what he is. Uh, no, but uh, had a pretty I had a pretty mundane week uh, to be honest with you, and I'm not mad at that. You know, like every week has has usually come with like this big thing happening somewhere, whether it's professionally or you know something going on in my personal life. This was actually finally a week where things stabilized a little bit, Good. and I felt like oh normal week all right that's a little bit rare so i kind of took that and, and rode with it and uh that, that freed up a lot of time to uh to, to play some games i finished a very big one uh which we'll talk about in a short while here so i got i i, I made some i made some progress i got some stuff done and i felt pretty accomplished so you know my little my little grown folk uh pat on the back for that uh if, if i say so myself you know uh, what'd you say Adulting. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's something totally different. I'm like, I'm not. What do you think I said? I'm not gonna say that. Um, <laughs> what would randomly say? Listen, something insane. This is not the time to talk about my hearing aid quality. All right. Um, it is time to talk about what is in the docket for this week's episode, Pablo. So why don't you go ahead and uh, walk us through what we have on the agenda, if you don't mind? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna spoil it right here, man. One of us has finished Final Fantasy. 16 and the other is still going through it we got more thoughts excited to hear what marco has to say here microsoft was apparently ready to buy all the things all of them <laughs> every single thing you can think of mm -hmm. microsoft was like i might buy that yeah Damn, i might buy me that. And I come yeah cheap. i'm saying <laughs> i mean i i'm pretty cheap you know so i said that come joke on, first come i said that joke first I, no, I, I said it first. There's a delay. Oh. Perfect Dark Woes continue, and a very popular Assassin's Creed game is apparently getting remade. And there are about 10 other games Ubisoft is going in on, so we'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. And lastly, gaming has changed in so many different ways. We break down some of the biggest changes we've seen within the industry, and we kind of extrapolate the reasons as to why this is happening we're we're gonna get really down in the really scientific and i'm gonna pull out a calculator a texas and instrument well, with, with how old you are you probably pull out a damn abacus at this point with your old words yeah, your I, old phrases let me say, listen let me let me say something i wanted to say abacus i just forgot what that was and so i said <laughs> texas instrument calculator instead texas instrument <sighs> is pretty old that, that gives me some nostalgia back in the grade yeah school yeah days. but i mean abacus would have been perfect to round up that joke Mm -hmm. uh, that's why anyway I'm here. that's why i'm here yeah thanks man no problem anytime uh while we're recording only so uh <laughs> let's not waste any time though uh getting started with this week's episode and uh we're gonna do that in typical fashion starting with the segment dedicated to the games that we have been playing since you last heard from us we call that loadouts all systems nominal loadouts ready all right, Pablo, so we're going to get to Final Fantasy 16 in just a bit, but real quick, we did see a new game come out, a little bit of a deep cut kind of game that not a lot of people are talking about, but I know it was a game that you had on your radar ever since it was revealed mm -hmm. at uh, a Nintendo Direct uh, earlier this year, I believe, uh, and that is uh, Master Detective Archives Raincoat. First and foremost, that game is a mouthful to say. That's oh, yeah. a lot of, there's, a lot, there's a lot going on there. Uh, yep. But Pablo, I'm very curious to see, uh, you know, what you're thinking of this game so far. Uh, how much time you got a chance to put into it, and what your first impressions happen to be? 
Yeah, actually, not much. Uh, not much time. I, I, let me rephrase. Not as much as I would like, because I'm very, like, already very uh, enthralled by the game itself in terms of what's happening, the mystery of it all. Uh, I would say about four hours, uh, roughly, about. Uh, and it just came out, so I've actually kind of been almost exclusively playing this game right now um, just to kind of get some thoughts into it before um, before I, I go and uh, okay. finish up so, Final Fantasy. But anyway, how would you, I mean, I, I'm sorry to cut you off so quick, but how would yeah. you describe this game, I guess? Like, the, I guess that's the big yeah. mountain for me mentally is like, what is this game? I mean, for those of you who know, Spike, uh, Chunsoft, they've made, they make uh, weird but engaging visual novels, games like Dog and Rampa, and then come, some of our favorites, I, the Somnium Files. And it is very much in that vein uh, where you are a, 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 a character who has amnesia and you walk into this train and you meet five other detectives, master detectives, and none of you know each other. And so what you're trying to find out is who is who, and you're also trying to find out who you are. Uh, and I haven't really, even going through this much time playing it, they haven't gotten to the crux of the mystery yet in terms of like what the who the big baddie is, what's actually happening. But basically every master detective has a uh, has an ability that they use when they're you know trying to figure out a case. And so at that point, basically what you're doing is you're having these conversations with these people they're using their abilities in order to, to kind of investigate areas and trying to trying to suss each other out to see exactly what's happening that's so far what's been happening in the game itself uh i, I would say that it is very much a game like either somnia files from the from the art style to the delivery of the voice acting to the quality of the game to the weird kind of um uh, just kind of vibes that the game gives off period it's just a very different kind of game a game that i feel like if anybody who's walking into these games for the first time will have a hard time kind of understanding the game itself uh but not not really the game itself rather just the choices that they're that they've made um but i will say this though marco in terms of the quality of the game it surpasses anything that uh danganronpa obviously it's an older game and either zomnia files even the most recent one has done in terms of visually and kind of the aesthetic and the art style and how they put all those things together i, I think do like the art style yeah yeah it looks very top-notch. It is very much a weird Victorian, rainy Norse-style kind of thing they're going for. That's my jam. Has, yeah, it looks really weird like that. And then, obviously, the rainy stuff taken from, like, 1930s, 40s detective films. Uh, so, that's all there. I, I love that. It that it really puts you in, in those... in in, 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 in it gives you, like, a sense of place. Even though the place is weird and, and it doesn't exist in the world, it really gives you a sense of place. And then you insert to that just some of the weirdest characters you'll ever see in any video game, which is par for the course here. Uh, and, and really, I would say this. Um, some of the worst... Uh, names I've ever heard <laughs> I've seen in video games. What do you mean? Like uh, all the character names? Yeah, like your main character, his name is Yuma Coco Head. Oh no, we're uh, not doing that. And then and then uh, uh another character is called Zilch Alexander and then another one's called Poochie Lavman. Not Poochie. And the other one's called Afix Logan with a PH. <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird, man. Pooch is but in so the game. far. Damn. Yeah, Poochie, man. Poochie, she Poochie's loving on you hard, man. She she uh -oh. likes she likes it. She wants you to play with the Poochie. Anyway, listen. <laughs> um <laughs> I spit all over this damn microphone. This is your fault. This is your fault for but, shorting out my microphone right here. No, nah, but listen, I it, it's 
I, I can't wait to get even deeper into this game and really kind of even understand it myself to the point where I can talk about it a little more in depth. But so far, from everything I've seen and everything I've played, it is definitely my kind of game. I would venture to guess that it's your kind of game as well, especially a fan of the first Isle of Somnium Files specifically. Uh, I think that your problem with the second game was more or less that it just wasn't as good. It wasn't really that the structure of the game was more just the fact that the mystery and everything just wasn't as good as the first Isle of Somnium Files. Yeah. I would say off the bat, this game is delivering that in spades, and I love every second of it so far, every conversational piece, everything. Uh, and by the way, like 99% of the game is voice acted as well. Oh, that's, uh, good. So it, there, that's good. There's quality in that for sure. So it, it's fantastic uh, for those who look love the the that that Chunsoft that spunk, the Spike Chunsoft kind of flavor of video game development and so yeah big recommend for that uh, for sure can't wait to can't wait to keep talking about it as as the weeks go by uh, as I get into it a little bit more. Hey, nice man, nice. I'm glad it's a hit. I mean, it looked like critically it wasn't getting reviewed the greatest for a while. I think it's now like a 78 on Open Critic, which isn't bad. No, um, but you know, uh, it, it's definitely think, a game that I didn't think was going to like take the world by storm critically, though. So I'm not surprised. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's only 24 votes in, and a lot of them are from uh, you know not exactly uh, 24 votes, 24 reviews in, uh, not a, and a lot of that from like weird um, yeah. outlets. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I would say the respectable outlets, just to just to be honest about that do tend to to like it the one thing that i've seen that is a consensus around the uh, around the game that there's a lot of things that you have to do twice like you solve the mystery mm. and then you go into your journal and kind of have to re redo the steps to put it into your journal and some people don't like that but if you played any either zombie and files games there, there's a lot of re repetition in terms of you've already figured it out in your head as to what who what it is but you still have to put in the the work within the game structure and mechanics to to, to finish that off so um, there's a lot of the, that in the game for sure, but I, I don't see anything different from other, uh, the other games that I play within the same kind of developer. Uh, but yeah. All right. Well, hey, man, it's got Poochie. That's I, all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, God is a Geek did give it 6 out of 10, and their review, I read the, the whole thing, I think their review is quite excellent. I th think that they're weighing some stuff that they didn't like more than other stuff and that's okay as well because I feel mm -hmm. like if, if that's your experience that's your experience but if you guys want a uh, a review that one's a good one and I think that uh, Eurogamer's review is also re really good and Nintendo Life uh, review is good as well if you kind of want to get an idea yeah. for what they're, what the game is and how it how they experience that for sure that's how I would see that got you alright man well let's go ahead and move on let's talk about Final Fantasy 16 Pablo because uh your boy rolled credits on Final Fantasy 16. Uh, now, for those oh, of you who have been a listener of the show for a good amount of time, you knew that this game for me was probably my most anticipated game of the year. Um, you know, Final Fantasy is near and dear to me. Not too long ago, we had an episode where we uh, ranked our favorite franchises ever, and Final Fantasy was very high on the list. So it's no secret that this game was a huge deal to me uh, and, and to Pablo too. I won't, you know, just say it's just me, but I'm, but as a big Final Fantasy guy, I had a lot of confidence coming into this game. So I finished the game probably, it took me about 40 hours, I want to say, give or take. Um, did a lot of side quests, just kind of got a little sample of everything, but 40 hours in, rolled credits. And Pablo, listeners, I want you to listen to me very closely with what I'm about to say. 
Final Fantasy 16 is one of the most disappointing games I've ever played in my life. Jesus. I hate this game, Pablo. I hate it. I hate this game. I hey, that, hate talk it. about burying the lead, man. We've had conversations since then. And you're like, yeah, I just do the ones with the plus signs and mainline and shut the fuck up. It's basically what you told me. I should have. I should have. You listened. know why though, Pablo? Because I was tr- I was fighting. I was fighting myself on it because you know, and we never talked about this on air. But I had a um, when I played Tears of the Kingdom, I had a moment with Tears of the Kingdom where I'm like, I don't know if I'm having a great time, and I kind of got myself, you know. I got myself wrapped up in a lot of like negative feelings about the game. And then I realized oh, I'm just in a, I'm in a funk like mood wise. So, you know, and then I came around, I'm like, Oh, that was just me in a weird mindset. The game's actually great. So I actually thought maybe I'm going through the same thing, Pablo, maybe I'm going through the same issue and I'm just not seeing the vision the right way. But the more I played of it, the more undeniable it was Pablo, Final Fantasy 16 is a categorical letdown in every facet of its design, be it mechanics, mission structure, story, pacing, or premise. In its truest form, Final Fantasy 16 is a 15-hour action slasher padded to a 40-hour pulp thanks to a complete lack of real role-playing or player agency whatsoever, a barrage of meandering main missions and sluggish side quests and archaic fetch quests, spongy enemy design or artificially prolonging battles just for the sake of it, while also masquerading as an RPG that it is not, thanks to a meaningless leveling system, vapid character stats that have absolutely no bearing on the experience, a rigged, a literal rigged XP system that is designed to keep players from being either underleveled or overleveled by either boosting or throttling XP amounts on a whim. Then there's also rigged equipment and crafting systems that only come around after each mission to allow you to improve your weapons or accessories, but it does that while also leveling up the enemies you're going to face in the next mission zone, which basically cancels itself out so that you never really feel like you're coming along at all. Then the game's combat eventually buckles, thanks to a combat loop that revolves around these like icon-based super moves, which basically eventually turns battles into a glorified game of hit all my ability moves and then wait for all the cooldowns to end, then do them all over again, instead of like rewarding combos or actual tact or critical thinking with how you're playing the game. Um, the limit break system is absolutely lackluster and it is basically tantamount to like a punching flurry with like a fire effect around your screen. That's really all that it is. It's very weak. Yeah. Um, the game's reliance on icon abilities, um, you know, that I already mentioned before. And that leads into the boss fights, which a lot of people like them. And there are a few that I think are genuinely epic that are really, really fun. But they're also rigged, Pablo, because they're scripted based on yeah. canned cinematic trigger points that happen, which results in like moments where you'll be fighting and you and you start inflicting zero damage on their health bar because the game is pausing all the damage you're doing to go on hold for the next cinematic to trigger. Or like there was an instance one time towards the end of the game, Pablo, and this really pissed me off, where they allow enemies to trigger final attacks that happen after you defeat them and their health is literally at zero. So I beat somebody, I won, I'm standing there, and this motherfucker's still fighting me because <laughs> the game wanted to do a final attack, and I literally died and had to do that fight all over again. 
right? And then these icon versus icon battles that they do. Really epic looking stuff, but it basically turns into a slow and finicky fighting game kind of thing that makes all of the work you did into your leveling, your stats, and your abilities as Clive basically meaningless because it's just really like this pomp and circumstance moment, right? And as if all of this wasn't bad enough, then you have the story, which fell flat thanks to a shockingly dry lead protagonist in Clive, whose arc really falls short of his potential in almost every way. Um, a really mundane cast of supporting characters that felt really undercooked, yet the game treats them with this sense of like reverence that they don't really earn based on how the narrative is told. And then what is clearly one of the worst villains in Final Fantasy history with zero charisma, boilerplate motives, and like a terrible final encounter sequence filled with all kinds of pedantic gobbledygook Bray Wyatt kind of drivel that makes no <laughs> sense at all. And it's just other things like, you know, the world is super forgettable. There's no iconic locations like Final Fantasies used to have. Like everything is either like swampy or like this rundown brown castle. Nothing that you'll remember vividly or fondly at all. And then the ending. I won't spoil the ending, but it's so bafflingly disappointing because it finishes on such a flat and confusing note that makes it feel more like it's just like a bad cliffhanger for like DLC or a sequel which was reportedly possible for this game so I know I ranted on for a long time but all I'll say in closing is this if it wasn't for Final Fantasy 13 this would be easily my least favorite game of the series Wow. Easily. This is an abject failure of a game that relies on like fleeting bouts of like bombast to mask what is clearly a very unfocused, hollow, and preposterous mockery of Final Fantasy. For anyone playing this game that feels stuck in the doldrums, here's my advice to you. Change over to story-focused mode immediately. Treat this game like the mindless popcorn flick it wants to be and call it a day. You won't, you won't miss out on anything. Um, because action-focused mode adds nothing but that like spongy stuff that happens in all the fights. It does nothing to change the ebb and flow of the game. It actually makes it worse. So, okay. this is cool. an L. Cool. Well, hi, I'm stuck in the doldrums. Um, I, yeah, like I, I am, I've also kind of been f fighting with myself and not understanding. Obviously, I have aggressive ADHD, uh, but uh, that I, I just found myself in ways that I just couldn't explain. I just don't like playing this game. And I sit there and I'm and I'm and I'm like, okay, I just gotta get through it. Story moments gonna happen. And then they come and they're really interesting story moments or or like a bombast boss fight or something like that. And then it just goes into this like into this lull that almost is putting me to sleep. Um, I mean, we're talking yeah. about picking apples and picking flowers, you guys. Like yeah, crazy yeah. moments that are actually all right, but then they, they it, like there's like sandwiched in between these horribly so boring things really like bad. literally picking flowers, like, man. What are we doing? I just got to this moment in the game, I think it's probably the halfway point. Obviously, I won't spoil it. And I found myself to be like, it was like there was a time jump. I'll just say that. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And I found myself like, oh, okay, this is a little bit more, this is where it's picking up. I feel like Clive is, is doing something now. He has a motive. And then it, it just, it just really, just, it, right now I'm in a point in this game where I, I just don't know, I, I just don't know what, what to do because I just don't feel like, I don't feel in any way, shape, uh, motivated. Like I, I played Master Detective Archives Rain Code for like four hours, and I peeled myself off that game to to, to get back to to Final Fantasy. Um, and it's like, God, I. So I'm happy. To, I'm okay. 
I'm not happy to hear you say that. You better not be happy. I was about to start. We, <laughs> we want games to we want games to be good, and obviously Marco was uh, very oh, much yeah. uh, about this, and and I'm sorry that it w- didn't live up to your expectations, but. I should say that I feel better about feeling the way that I feel because it's not just me, you know, because I, I see a lot of people making a lot of excuses. Oh, it took 10 hours for me to finally get into this game. It took this, it took that. And seeing that, I'm thinking, hmm, there's something here that we're not really talking about because that's not okay. Playing a game for 10 hours before it gets good is crazy. Uh, and, and ultimately, I think I am going to finish it. I am going to do the story mode thing. Um, yeah, I do think that this, the boss fights and, 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 the, and, and even right now, the... Um, uh, the the combat is still kind of fun for me, so going to that story mode and not having to experience the the sponginess of of the four big mosquitoes, uh, I think that's uh, oh I didn't even that, get that, into that, enemy design. Oh my god, yeah, it's the same uh, yeah, thing. Scorpions, thing was, batty flowers. What are we doing? Yeah, man, that, I was in a way where it's like I'm in, I'm doing this main quest. I find this pr- a person that it's in the main quest and this NPC, and then it's like oh no, protect him against these four giant mosquitoes. <laughs> I was like, "What? Okay, I guess this is uh, I guess this is what we do here." Uh, but yeah, man, I I I'm gonna finish it because I I feel like in order to have the conversations at the end of the year, and I'm not completely, I'm not completely uh, dis, uh, uh I'm not completely like, hating the game yet, but I am re- reaching points where I'm like, "Oh man, this is tough for me." So, uh, we'll see what happens here between now and and and, and next week if I if I if I actually get to finish it then, or if it's gonna take me longer. What gonna be one of those long uh time before I finish it? But we'll see. But as it stands right now, um. Man, everything you said is 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 kind of things that I've been thinking about, things that I've been fearing that they were going to become, uh, and you've kind of uh, you've kind of confirmed that for me, and I'm not really surprised. Um, and also, the voice actor doing Clive was this direction was like, do your best, Geralt. That's what that's I mean. Like He's like he- this Geralt ripoff, but like with more compassion. I guess, you know, because he cries. Yeah, man, a lot. I mean it when I say like this might be this is arguably my my biggest disappointment in in gaming. And I've had a lot of because because I had a question here for you. I was about to ask you because I in my head, I'm thinking Marco enjoyed the hell out of this game. It's Final Fantasy. Obviously, how bad can it be? He's he I was going to ask you, is this a top three Final Fantasy game? (laughs) And then you're saying they're lucky 13 exists because. Oh, my God. 15 mops this game like most get if you're not named final fantasy 13 you are better than this final fantasy and and that's just me me personally i know a lot of people are going to like this game and enjoy it a lot and appreciate it and i did in the beginning too but i can only speak for myself in saying this this is one of like i'll never look at final fantasy the same after this Dude, I don't want to hear about no I... damn Yoshi P either. Get Yoshi P, <laughs> get Yoshi Mitsu, get Yoshi from Mar- get all the Yoshis out of my face. <laughs> he had the nerve to look cocky and, and arrogant by making an action game and padding it out into this RPG that's that's like Listen, it, it, none of the stats matter at all, Pablo. Nothing all. Yeah. about this is an RPG. If this was a 10, like I said earlier, 10, 15 hour action slasher, give, literally a Devil May Clive like we joked about. If they did that yeah, yeah. and they cut out all the fat and the fluff and all the pomp and circumstance and kept it simple, I would love this game. But they called it yeah. Final Fantasy and this is not. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. That's that's crazy. Um, damn. I like that's... how I said all that. He's like, that's crazy. <laughs> no, because I'm thinking, I'm no, like, no, that's no. kind of how I, I kind of how it's kind of like how I how I felt. Pablo, man. It's just kind of. I'll go as far as to say this, and I never do this. I don't know if it's worth your time to finish it. Yeah. I don't know if it's worth uh, your time. I really don't. I was thinking about that too. 
I don't think it's worth your time. I think I, I, I think if you were to finish it, there would be things that you like about it, and you go, "Oh, I enjoyed that. I thought that was cool." But I don't think that you would be like, "Oh, I'm really glad I stuck with it." I don't think you'd feel that way at all. And I, and I know that our tastes are different in some ways, but I, I think we have enough in common to know that you, you're not going to finish this game, and I don't think you should try to, to be honest. Especially since since Strength Code is out, and I'm really all about it. Play and what I've you love, this- man. That's what the whole point is. Like, I, and and I've and I've ugh. gotten readdicted. Which I always was, but like even more so with with Rainbow Six, like I'm just playing the shit out of that, yeah. even mo- even more than I was before. So yeah, I, th- I think I think you're right. I, I think I think I'm I think I'm gonna have to admit to myself and kind of say goodbye to this it, game. It's surreal because you don't want you, you never want to think like I'm bouncing off of Final Fantasy 16. Like, but there were times when, dude, I was close. I'm like, I don't think I can do this. Like, this is <laughs> this is how I'm spending my precious free time and. This isn't even a good game, dude. I was, I was, I brought, I, I tweeted to someone that I tracked with on Twitter. Twitter, I was like, I don't even know if this is better than sixteen, and I thought that was, I mean, 15, fifteen, yeah, and I thought that was spicy, and I was, because right now in my heart, just thinking about it, fifteen is so much better than this game. Fifteen like, is so good. I, I would be hard pressed to find a game with a better ending. Uh, yes, the not even Final beautiful. Fantasy only. Like, period. That's like the I best. I was thinking about should seen. I just drop sixteen and just replay fifteen? Because I, I never downloaded the fifteen quest. earlier this afternoon, <laughs> and I I played it for about thirty minutes. It it didn't age the best visually, right, right, yeah, but yeah. it runs good. It's at it's at a full sixty on next gen consoles, and it plays memorable right. character. Memorable characters. Wow, memorable ones, dude. Memorable characters. Yeah. That's crazy that they did that. Now I will say there's one memorable character, Sid. The like the like the the first Sid. They do this thing where something yes, happens which and, I hate. which I'm not going to get into that, but you know, he was actually genuinely really good. Only bright yes. spot I thought ever happened in that story. Period. I would say for me the game falls apart when the second Sid comes in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. Just to say that, yeah. My goodness. All right. This was to, it was you a, got something else to talk about? Yeah, I do. I do. Because I feel like I got punched in the face by Final Fantasy VII. I decided to go play Fist. <laughs> Forged in Shadow Torch. Now, here's why I came to this game. Number one, it came to Game Pass recently. That's, that's the big reason. But secondly, I was so disgruntled about Final Fantasy. I wanted to play a low-stakes game where there was no hype attached, no expectations, nothing. Uh, and Fist was a game that I saw. It's a Metroidvania game. It's got this diesel punk kind of aesthetic. I really like that kind of style. Stray vibes a little bit with the same look and yep. feel. But, you know, it's got the Metroidvania thing going on. And I'm like, all right, I'll try it out. It's on an, it's at an 80 on Open Critic. I'm like, it can't be that bad. It's actually really good, dude. Like, I like the world. I like the combat. Uh, the exploration is fun. Um, it's a really good game. I put about two hours in so far. I don't know if I'm going to beat it. I don't have, it's like not a priority for me, but um, as a Metroidvania, if you have Game Pass, I suggest trying this out. Um, it looks a little goofy at first because it's like, oh, you're playing as this bunny, but it's like, it's done in this like serious kind of way where like, you know, all of civilization is like, um, you know, animal based, but they, they, they do it really well. And you guys know I have a corny filter. And, and most games don't make it through. This game actually does do a good job of making it feel believable and cool. Um, and I really, really like it. Um, it. Very fun game. Very fun game so far. Another game that I would suggest, I think it's on Game Pass, that it's in the same vein, I think. Uh, it's Tales of Ire. Uh, oh, really? If, if you see that on there, Tales you of might Iron? want to check. T- Tales of Iron. Oh, Iron. Okay. 
Yeah, and a tail's like the like a tail, like a rat's tail, because you you play as a rat. Mm, uh, okay, that's a really good game. I'll take a look at uh, that. But yeah, yeah. Um, I'm playing that right now, and Pablo, uh, you'll be happy to hear that I am now uh, awaiting my copy of Star Wars Jedi Survivor to arrive from hey, uh, good old go. GameFly. Not a paid ad, hey. by the way. Not a paid ad. Just trying to save some money. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's coming. Uh, I think either tomorrow or sometime, you know, in, in the week. And I'll be uh, that. That'll be my next big project to play through because uh, you were pretty hyped about that one. And I want to give it a fair shake, even though I didn't like the Fuck first yeah. game. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, more to come on that for sure. Um, but Pablo, I think that is going to do it for loadouts this week. Ladies and gentlemen, before we move on to the next segment of the show, if you like what you're hearing so far, uh, tirades and all, consider subscribing to our show. We drop new episodes every single Monday on all streaming services, along with an audio version available on YouTube as well. And if you're feeling extra cool, which I think you are, follow us on Instagram and Twitter uh, if you don't mind some uh, tweet limits. Thanks to our boy Elon here. Uh, you can oh, find geez. us at uh, It's Cool Down Time if you're so inclined. Now, Pablo, let's go ahead and keep the show rolling with our news segment that we call Hit Points. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right, let's go ahead and kick things off. First and foremost, Pablo's Wait, son before, is yeah. wilding right now. <laughs> Listeners, I want to apologize here. Uh, my son... And I'm and I'm happy about this. Has been incredibly obsessed with me in the last two weeks. Just, just every time he sees me, he loses his ever loving shit, and he knows I'm in here. And so he's literally just yelling, dad, and he's uh, trying to run into the door. So if you hear a baby in the background, nothing's happening. He's safe. He's all good. He just wants his data. You just gotta open the door and say, "Shut your clingy ass up. <laughs> Shut your." Slobbery, milky ass <laughs> Stop drooling on the damn door. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, news story number one is uh, Pablo's child. News story number two, <laughs> according Pablo to internal documents from the FTC hearing for the Activision Blizzard deal, we found out that Microsoft was looking into acquiring additional studios back in 2020. Now, the short list included, at the time, Bungie, Sega, IO Interactive, and Supergiant Games, among others. Obviously, Sony went on to acquire Bungie, but I decided to have a little fun with this and, and ask the question, hypothetically, Pablo, if we were in charge at Microsoft, if we were Phil Spencer for a day, which one of those companies that I listed off would we try to acquire first between Sega, IO, Supergiant? I, th I think I would say Sega based simply on the Yakuza series. Mm. Uh, but I kind of want to say Supergiant. Really? Uh, now, now, for those of you yeah. that don't know Supergiant, that is um, the team behind Hades. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not a huge fan of Hades specifically, but I do like Bastion. I still have to go into Transistor, which is Marco-obsessed game. Yeah. And I am one of the few that think that Pyre is one, some of the best... Uh, sports slash story, uh, like a uh, point and click games ever made. Obviously, there's not a lot of crossover in a lot of genres of with those games, but Pyre is absolutely fucking fantastic. My God, uh, and uh, I I think that Xbox needs Microsoft needs a studio with the pedigree 
uh, of Supergiant that they'll do these little small ti- titles that will be completely loved by many. L- look, Hades is is for I, I like I said, not a fan of Hades, but people love Hades. I think they need that in their in their repertoire. I think they have a lot of the AAA, quadruple A studios uh, already in their in their kind of you know in their ownership. I think they need something that is going to be really dope really just kind of consumable uh and something that's gonna give them a claim honestly you know that that that, that might not be important for us consumers but for the company like you said having some some of those games game of the year contenders and in these small titles i mean that would be amazing yeah you know yeah i understand that one i would actually go with io interactive um io for those of you who don't know they are the studio behind hitman um you know why i think they'd be a great pickup because they are reportedly reportedly working on a 007 game now if you can secure them you get 007 ip on your console and io is a good developer they can probably do a lot with that ip coming from their lineage with hitman uh they're also reportedly working on a high fantasy game that might be an xbox exclusive as well yeah. that might be a pretty interesting fit for them uh yeah. Sega, project uh project fantasy yeah yeah uh, now Sega would be the obvious choice. You get Persona, you get Like a Dragon, you get Sonic, you get all. You know, you you. I think that's the obvious choice, but I think that there's something to be said for what IO Interactive can do um, with the kind of uh, support from Microsoft instead of kind of having to do it on their own like they have. Um, more budget, and again, you know, if you if you have a lineup with Xbox, right, where you have. Indiana Jones coming out one time, you know, one year, and then you have potentially a 007 coming out. You've got some pretty noteworthy franchises you're working with there. I think you can do a lot with that, with marketing, and, and that just yeah. that just gets the ball rolling in a pretty interesting way for Xbox in a way that I, I think they've kind of suffered with, with having like like pop culture, like well-recognized IP. Um, that, yeah. would, that would mitigate a lot of that problem for them. Yeah, and, and IO also is interesting because every time they take a chance outside of Hitman, it, it always gets mixed kind of reception, but I always love them. Like, I know the Kane and Lynch games are not loved but by many, but I love those both those games. I think both those games are really fun to play, really interesting stories that are being told. And then when they did... Um, Hitman, when they went outside of Hitman Absolution and then remade Hitman 2, well, you know, 2016 new, yeah. Hitman 2 and 3, those were fucking just next level games. Like, there's never been really games like they They've almost created a genre uh, uh, onto themselves where people are doing like Hitman like games. You know, that's that's a mark of a great developer when you can make a basically create a, a game mechanic that others now are using and, you know, like a Metroidvania or like, you know, one of those. It's a Hitman like game. So, mm. a lot of that is super dope. So, I'm. I'm I'm interested to see what Project 007 is, uh, but Project Fantasy seems super interesting as well because it's supposed to be a big AAA uh, type of RPG. So yeah, we'll see what that's about. I think they're a pretty underrated team, to be honest. So they yeah. can they can probably do something special with that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, let's go ahead and move on, Pablo. Let's uh, let's keep the topic on Xbox one more time. This one's not so great uh, news, but IGN has up has uh, posted a new report on the uh, the state of Perfect Dark's development. And by all accounts, the game's development is just as bad as we heard or suspected. Uh, the project has reportedly been through constant roadblocks from rocky co-development issues, the pandemic, uh, technological challenges, talent turnover, and very unclear direction from management. Now, apparently, 
The partnership with Crystal Dynamics is finally improving and stabilizing, but the game is still, uh, quote, in the earliest stages, end quote, of development, estimating that it is still roughly two to three years away from being ready for release. Now, apparently, the game might possibly be episodic with a mix of first-person combat and espionage and an emphasis on spy gadgets, movement, uh, experimental movement tech, and a focus on narrative. So... How do we feel about all this news as far as the trouble development, what, the, what this premise sounds like it could be, be it by being episodic? And I guess more importantly, Pablo, if you were in charge at Xbox, uh, would you outright cancel this project? What would you do about all this? Yeah, I'll address all that here. I think releasing a teaser, a te- teaser, <laughs> a teaser for, uh, for a game that wasn't even conceptually ready is crazy and fucked up by Xbox. Like, just trying to create Garner hype. And I, I forgot who said this, but someone said, well, they released that trailer for to hire, uh, to get developers interested in, in, in working for them. If you are Xbox and you are boasting about a quadruple A studio, you can't get people hired pre-pandemic, you, you're fucking up somehow. You don't need to do this thing to, to, to garner interest. Of course, people are going to want to work for your studio. I think... Obviously, it was all done for the hype in terms of uh, announcing it so early. Uh, and it came back and it's biting him in the ass over and over and over. It's the one game besides Fable that keeps coming back and be like, you guys don't know how to manage your teams. And I'm telling you right now, uh, if you're going to put out your first quadruple A uh, game, and I say that because they were, they've been on record saying that the initiative is a quadruple A studio, and Perfect Dark is their first game. If you're gonna put your first quadruple A studio uh, game out, and it is episodic, you you're fucking mad. You've lost it. You that's incredibly idiotic. There's no, there's no way. Like that is crazy. Like here, here's what I think. You asked me if I was running Xbox, would I shut it down? Not only would I shut down Perfect Dark, I'd shut down the initiative. I don't want people to lose their jobs. Obviously, put them in other uh, in other studios, use their talents. But the initiative has already shit the bed. They've already uh, fucked up their name and their reputation, and they've released nothing. Nothing but news st- uh, stories about uh, not the best work environment. The the fact that they're clashing with creatives at all times. Like, shut it down, kill it. If you want to go ahead and create another studio and 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 and, and just kind of make it that, that's fine. But the initiative has to go along with Perfect Dark. I am a Perfect Dark fan. I'm on record saying you Perfect are? Dark for N64 is the better version of GoldenEye, and it's not even close. I didn't know you liked I it, though. I thought you just thought it was better than GoldenEye. Yeah, 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 but I'm a fan of, of the game itself. I, I like Joanna Dark. I think that the the experience in terms of like playing that with the N64, that, that version of that game, was like a really dope, game that game was like a really dope first person narrative based stealth uh kind of shooter that a uh, thing that uh, that double seven wish it was and i and i'm i'm a i'm a fan of the series but i don't even give a fuck about it in the way where i need to see it remade like i i they're so lost in the doldrums with this that they don't even know what they want this game to be when it's right there in their face it's a first person shooter with espionage elements and narrative focus i don't know what the fuck you're trying to do here but do just just remake that game but I digress. I, I just I just think all this has to go because it has been a, a a a pain on the side of Xbox for years, and they've done nothing but 
make uh, make claims of uh, and 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 pretend that they're this massive studio that's gonna put off not triple not not one A not two A <laughs> not three the Miami A, Heat four A <laughs> the Heatles are back and it's ridiculous it's a ridiculous claim to begin with it's a ridiculous claim to uh, to begin with and then the fact that you can't even put out a game it's fucked. This game should already be coming out. It, honestly, from the moment it was, of uh, the moment it was announced, the money being put behind it, this game should be in our hands right now already. And the fact that it's not, the fact that it might be <laughs> episodic, bro, that part right there, that killed. That's me. insane. Because you, you know, you know what that made me feel. It's like let's just hurry up and get something out there. That's right. That's exactly That's right. how yeah. I felt. I'm like. Mm. Mm-mm. That 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 ain't that ain't it right there. If if it's gonna just be this like weird contorted version of like the original vision, which doesn't seem to have yeah. a vision at all anyway, yeah. then I just think that there's no point in keeping this thing alive. I mean, it's it to me, it's a sign of like what Xbox should be moving away from. You know, I, I yes. almost feel like they won't cancel it because they just don't want to have that headline of a game of perfect dark canceled. They don't, they don't want that headline and have to deal with that being in the zeitgeist of, of discord. I guess, but, but I, if I was still be like, Hey, we heard you, this initiative, it just never worked. We're going to go ahead and get rid of it. It's done. It, we're we're going to do better. I think, we'll, I think, I think, yeah, sure. The Twitter is that space is going to be like the PS, the fanboys are going to be like, Oh, they canceled. But I think uh, it real it, to the people who matter, the fans of Xbox, I think they'll appreciate that mm-hmm. because I, I, I just think we want games and we want quality games. And you know, I, them going episodic to this doesn't make sense. And then people, and I've already heard this and I've already seen this. Well, Final Fantasy VII remade is episodic. Yeah, but they did something. That's completely a whole different. game, though. It's not like it's a whole different. It's and it's completely different yeah. approach. What are you gonna remake? Like you're gonna tell me that this is a remake of the original N64 one? It's gonna be episodic now? Come on, stop that. Stop yeah. it. And this this should also this should also be a, a lesson for a lot of people who like pull out an old franchise and say they need to bring this this series back. A lot of times, some of these series are not meant to come back, man. Because a lot of people no. like they, they they like the idea of Perfect Dark coming back, but when when these companies don't know what the hell to do with the license, then there's no point in bringing it back. Just let it die yeah. until somebody has an actual vision for it. You know. Now to that point, I will say what Xbox needs to do. Is kill the initiative, kill Perfect Dark, buy Crystal Dynamics and make Soul Reaver. Just stop the bullshit. Let's get yeah, that. Yeah, but that remember, almost opens up the same. I know, problem. I know. That's why I said. With that being said, I kind of <laughs> am, am proposing the same thing here. I understand that you're gonna have but, some derpy guys sitting around. What is Soul Reaver today? And they're just gonna come up with some weird <laughs> mangled version of it again. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I would cancel it. <laughs> I don't know if I would cancel it if I'm Microsoft. I would probably hey, write it why out. Why you gotta be derpy? <laughs> Listen, you've seen enough of those developer behind the scenes. <laughs> We're so excited about this game because it's gonna have features. Like you know, that's just oh, and they don't know derpy features. Yeah, but anyway, I feel you. I feel you. Sorry, Joanna. We ain't got nothing against you, but these people out here suck. Um, all right, Pablo, let's go ahead and round this out with the last hit point news item. Go ahead and kick us off with that one, if you don't mind. Yeah, so Ubisoft is reportedly developing a remake of 2013's Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. Mm-hmm. However, 
it's only in early stages of development. They said the earliest stages of development. So I mean, just probably somebody said it out loud in the boardroom. That's probably what, where it's at. <laughs> uh, uh, and it will not be ready for a few years. If true, this could be the 11th Assassin's Creed game currently in development, uh, let, which is basically an Assassin's Creed codenamed Red, which is a single player. These are all single player. Hex, Nebula, and, a, and another single player. Mirage is coming out this uh, this year. Yeah. Three multiplayer games, two VR games, one mobile, and then the remake. And a partridge uh, in a damn pear tree. Did goodness gracious, I, that, it, Ubisoft. I, I I love Assassin's Creed. I don't love Assassin's Creed. This, nobody loves Assassin's Creed this much. What are we doing? Like, this is crazy. And they're going like, year, it's like yearly. It's like 2014, we get red. 2025, uh, I mean 2024, we get red. 2025, we'll get hex. It's like, why? Because these games are so massive and huge. I just, I don't know. But are we excited about this? Specifically, I'm going to, obviously, we're not excited about all the Assassin's Creed games coming out, but let's kind of pare it down to, are we excited about Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag remake uh, because I have an answer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, this one's weird because I like Black Flag, but I almost feel it's weird to go right up to Black Flag as like the remake point. Like, I don't know why we didn't start with like the first game or remake the Ezio trilogy, but you know, it just feels like. Um, it just feels confusing to me. Well, I mean, why do you think that they, they went to Black Flag? Because it's the it's it's the game that feels less like Assassin's Creed game. It, it it's it's actually, and this is kind of a hot take. I don't like that game very much. I I mm. I, I, I like the, the the combat, the water combat, all that stuff. But in terms of story, he said the water time, combat. <laughs> you know the sea combat. Yeah, you know the, the, ship the ship combat. combat. I like the water yeah. fights. <laughs> the water fights. They're so good yeah, with the balloons. Sound like super with water inside out here. of them. What's going on? All right, keep Chris. going. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I, um, I'm not really a fan of that game, um, specifically because at that time when it came out, it was the fourth iteration or part four of the game of sequel, and it really had not much to do at all with one, two, and three. There are cer- certain connections, and I think it, it just felt like a pirate game, and I think that a lot of people like it for that, and that's cool. Uh, and I think it's the game that feels less like an Assassin's Creed game. Mirage is for all the Assassin's Creed fans, and I think a Black Flag remake, uh, I think they've impaired even even way more back in, with the Assassin's Creed shit. I just think that's what they're going to do with that. Um, am I excited about this? Not specifically, only because of the simple fact that I'm not a huge fan of the game however looking at the history of remakes not specifically through ubisoft but just you know re remake and 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 final fantasy 7 remake and and uh, re4 remake all that shit has been absolutely fantastic and i feel like if they can pull it off and make something that looks incredible next gen and uh, it, 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 and they do that with Black Flag. I'll be I'll be interested to try to get to see how I feel now that I'm so removed from the from the Assassin's Creed quote unquote story because that 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 really caught me by surprise that four was so detached from everything. But um, yeah, man, uh, that's where I stand with it. Yeah, it's it. I guess it's just weird to me. It just feels weird. Um, their pipeline is is so bizarre right now, and I just don't know what kind of value they're hoping this brings to Assassin's Creed. I mean, it's a, it's a game that everybody loves. It almost if I had to guess that I think it's just a, a way to kind of win back a lot of fans to go, yeah, I love Black Flag. And it's like, yeah, you like Black Flag and you'll also like everything else we're doing, too. It's like kind of like a win you back kind yeah. of, a, of a move almost. Um, but I just don't think Black Flag for me is as much as I liked it. I don't think it it it's it brings that loudly to be like the, you know, the oh, man. 
look at Assassin's Creed, you know, getting back no, on track. Like, I don't know if that's really how I feel here. It's just like, oh, cool, that's a nice remake. But my God, am I going to be, am I even going to be like hungry for this when you're making yeah. 11 of these things, dude? Like, this is OD. Uh, yeah. This is OD. That's what I feel. I feel like Mirage is, is, is Mirage is taking the place of a potential Assassin's Creed or, uh, or Ezio trilogy. Yeah. A remake, and I think that four is going to be that in between where it's like, yeah, it's Assassin's Creed, but it's basically a pirate game, uh, and then you're going to get all the other shit that is closely, uh, you know, with with all the other Assassin's Creed, with Origins and and, and Odyssey, specifically Odyssey, because I think Origins is excellent, um, uh, Odyssey and all those shits, which I think those games are fucking horrendous, bloated man, uh, bloated, third Malacca. I <laughs> see what you did yeah. there. You ain't shit for that. All right, let's go ahead and move on, Pablo. Let's get to the main event of the show. How about that? Let's talk about gaming uh, as a whole in our main event called the Checkpoint Chat. Let's do it. It's time for the Checkpoint Chat. All right, Pablo. Listen, gaming has changed. Gaming. Oh, God. Gaming has changed. That sounded really awful. That was not a very good snake impression. That old snake impression is hard to do because you got to like eat gravel and chain smoke for like three years to be able to pull yeah. that and off. Then hate, and then hate yourself for yeah. another 20. That's what I was going for, though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but gaming has changed, ladies and gentlemen. Gaming is not what it used to be. So we are going to discuss some of the biggest and latest shifts that we're seeing across the industry and even the gaming community itself to explore why those changes are happening and how they are affecting gaming for the worse, or maybe not at all. Uh, so we have nine different aspects of how gaming has changed that we're going to be talking about. And I think what's interesting about this list, Pablo, as we run down these things, is that a lot of these are so recent that, man, gaming is, I mean, even just as recently as 10 years ago, gaming feels vastly different in comparison to to just recently, you know, the last decade of gaming. So uh, that goes to show how quickly moving and how ever-changing and evolving gaming truly is. And uh, we're here to talk about why and how. Um, and one of the big ones that I think, you know, really embody uh, a very recent uh, shift is um, the fact that as cross-gen games, Pablo, are winding down, um, one of the things that has made gaming change is that industry pundits and tech analysis outlets like Digital Foundry now believe that current gen games will slowly revert back to the 30 FPS uh, limits of old. Um, now, Pablo, you know, how do you think that may affect, um, you know, particularly console gaming moving forward? And, and, and you know, is this, a, is this a, a bad omen, a bad sign? What are your general thoughts about just the fact that this might be uh, a sign of things to come? Yeah, I just think that when technology advances in, in, in this way, I think creatives get very excited and they try to push those things to the limit. And when they do that, certain things start to fall by the wayside. I think a lot of the promise of the next generation was 60 frames, 4K native. But, you know, when you got games that look absolutely stunning and incredible and are doing so much, particle effects, all that stuff happening, certain sacrifices need to be made. And I think one of the things about this generation of consoles is that they're kind of underpowered a little bit more than we thought they would be uh, in terms of like two years later, they're, they're not exactly what we thought they were going to be. And I think that a lot of the industry pundits and I think people reacting to the industry fans are a little shocked by this revelation. But I think ultimately for me, I, I just feel like if it's 30 frames and it's going to work like locked 
at, at that 4K resolution, and we're getting something special from those devs, I, I'm okay with that. But I, I do feel, I, I can't help but feel disappointed in the fact that the promise of next generation wasn't really graphical improvement, but rather performance, 60 frames, 4K native, and we all, they're already, uh, you know, it's all half of that's already gone. Yeah. Like that's not really a thing anymore. It just feels like a, a politician uh, uh, who's already lying uh, two uh, one year, two years into his <laughs> into his uh, campaign there. But it, it just it, it's just one of those things where I I think a lot of people put a lot of non developers put a lot of promise and a lot of of excitement behind certain things that when it comes down to the nitty gritty of the technical aspects of it, it's just something that was never really going to be doable because of ambitions within the creative mind. were just going to soar because they have the technology available to do things that they were never able to do before. And that's going to happen every generation. They're going to have technology on hand. that will never be able to do what they've been able to do things they've never done before. And that is always going to be the case. That's an excellent point. Yeah. Yeah, so we're gonna have to strive. We're gonna have to look at that as, as the future comes because next generation of consoles, whenever that may be, there's gonna be something that's gonna have to fall by the wayside because mm-hmm. something is gonna be the the focal point of, of of development. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with that. Yeah, that's those are really great points, man. Um, how I would piggyback off of that because I I think you you nailed a lot of that. I I what I would say is I think the, I think the problem with the community taking to 30 frames again is 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 this. There's a difference between a game being 30 frames only because of the vision of the game kind of leaving the developer with no other choice to kind of realize that vision versus gamers not wanting to feel like a studio just made it 30 so they didn't because they were too lazy to try to make it 60. You know what I mean? That's right. So it's basically vision versus effort, you know, kind of is I think that's the the battle that a lot of gamers have. So I think when, when gamers hear 30 frames... They go, oh, you didn't even try. Oh, you don't even care. Oh, you you took the lazy route. You took the cheap route. And what it might be is what we're saying with, you know, obviously a very glaring example being Starfield and potentially games like that that, that may be just as big and ambitious in the future where it literally comes down to, hey, do you want a next-gen experience or do you just That's want right. a good running game? Because there might be a little bit of a trade-off there that you might not realize exists uh, because of things that you don't understand about game development. And so yeah. um, even I've had to eat a little bit of humble pie with that because I, I was one of those people, it, you know, it, 60 or bust, 60 or bust, 60 or bust. And I still prefer 60. I mean, who the hell wouldn't? Sure, absolutely. But at the end of the day, I think what I what I have to realize myself and what I would encourage other people to start evaluating is that, you know, a, a lot of the next gen type of experiences that you want, um, you know, you, you can't have it all, both ways in some cases because these games just, you know, they're, they're going to be built to be the next gen game you want. They just might not be able to hit that performance that you want. And that's that has to be OK or else, you know, I mean, God forbid, if these if these analysts are right. And let's say the ratio of, of 60 FPS games and 30 FPS games gets really lopsided and it goes back to like, you know, I don't know, like 75% of all the new games are going to be 30 frames and only 25 are going to be like 60 frame capable. What Then what are you guys going to do? A lot of people yeah. will say, well, oh, I'll just buy it on PC. Hey, that's totally fine if that's the route you want to go. But if you're a predominantly a console gamer, what are you going to do? Like avoid every game that doesn't have a 60 FPS mode? So, I mean, yeah. eventually I think people are going to have to get used to that coming back. And I, I think that 30 frames games will be inescapable 
in perpetuity throughout gaming history. There will always yeah. be 30 FPS games um, that are capped there because the vision of games are always going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to run into the same bottleneck eventually, no matter what kind always. of hardware you have. So yeah. it's unavoidable. And there are things that the devs are doing to kind of circumvent the fact that the 30 frames, like excellent motion blur or, or things of that sort that, that yeah, it's 30 frames. Cause I'm, I'm playing, you know, for all my, woes with final fantasy 16 i'm playing it in 30 frames and i'm not even thinking about it yeah. it runs smooth it runs your clean. eyes adjust to it, it eventually yeah the transition into the into the cgi stuff is is, is clean no you there's nothing that it throws you I off don't even a think bit. there is cgi uh, i think it's all all in oh that's not bad i mean i mean like in game like uh cinematics oh, okay. gotcha. it, like there's it's all running in 30 so uh but yeah um yeah. It's coming, man. I, I think it's coming. Uh, but that's not the only thing that's changed about gaming, Pablo. Another thing that has changed about gaming is that console warriors have overrun almost all online gaming discourse with toxic, hateful, and retaliatory attacks towards fellow gamers, developers, and media pundits. Pablo, um, yeah. I don't think we've ever seen toxicity this high in all of no. the history of console warring but between fans. Um, it truly has reached a fever pitch, I think, you know, m- now more than ever. Uh, but what yeah. are your thoughts on this, and how detrimental do you think this has been to the gaming community and even the industry? Yeah, I mean, look, I, th- I think this isn't unique to, to gaming, but we are talking to the gaming podcast, so we're keeping it of here course. with games. But yeah. I, I, you know, this is an indication of where we are as a society, period. I mean, there are a lot of lonely people that all they want to do is belong to something. And when they pick the thing that they want to belong to, the community in which they want to belong to, they will defend that with all their might and that turns into hatred that turns into toxicity because nobody's going to tell them that xbox is better than playstation or vice versa you know there's a lot of that stuff and it's unfortunate because these communities are echo chambers onto themselves where they're just in the within that community they're just feeding each other with the bullshit with the and then they go out into the world and you know into the social medias and whatnot and they're just attacking others with with any kind of slightly different opinion any developer who does something uh different with their game or they try to say something with their game we're being attacked because they just will not quote unquote let people tell them how to feel and how to think and that's not what we're trying to it's not what artists are trying to do they're just trying to tell their story and people are seeing that as they're trying to tell me how to feel and Mm. unfortunately that that's just that permeates through all society right now and gaming is not safe from this and unfortunately because gaming is becoming a massive uh entertainment entity we are seeing so much of it and the whole the whole proclaiming yourself to be a gamer it just almost feels gross because of the fact of what that entails you know like it's so fucking disgusting in here uh and unfortunately i I myself uh am uh, i'm on twitter so i see it a lot i engage a lot into it not in the toxicity but like the 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 arguments of it like you know stop being toxic uh kind of a thing and it's it's tiring it's it's just these people just will not they're relentless they will not see anything in terms of facts or uh you're not going to tell them that the thing that they the plastic box that they spent 500 dollars on is not doing so good right now because they will come after your head like it's it's crazy uh but yeah unfortunately it's it's making the industry as a whole to either uh relate yourself to the industry as a gamer as a hobbyist for the for the industry or as a person who works as a developer 
who wants to work here? Who wants to do this job if everything they do is scrutinized and then they get death threats or they get dick pics dick sent pics, to them for whatever fucking reason? Even if it's, it's not that extreme, they'll, they'll like post a picture of themselves like on Twitter, like, oh, here's us at a cookout. And then somebody yeah. be in the comments, who's in charge of graphics? <laughs> why they're not playing it? Who is? Why are they not working on this game right now? I, I, I like how they think they, that there's a literal graphics manager at the company. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's 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 insane. I and and I kind of brought it up at the beginning of the of the whole show when I talked about the Indiana Jones. How you know the the box office of Indiana Jones is actually not doing very well. The the conversations around that movie are not is is still toxic as hell because people are still holding on to the fake leak that happened about wokeism. It's Uh-oh. it's ridic it's ridiculous, and so it's hurting that. And it's hurting games as, as a whole, you know. I mean, look at look at the Last of Us Part Two. The Last of Us Part Two, people claim it to be the worst game of all time before we release because Abby had some muscles. You know, it's you know, it, it's crazy, man. It's just it it doesn't make any sense. I still don't understand why people are so hateful. Yeah, but it's it is it is a reflection of our society. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, I I think it to to keep it gaming, like you said. Um, I think people play Twitter, not video games. Right. Um, I think people just live for the mess and want to be messy. And and you know, look, everybody has a little bit of petty in them. Everybody. I don't care who. <laughs> I don't care who you are. We all saw that tweet that you know we knew it was troll bait, and we smirk once in a while, like, all right, that was pretty funny. But yeah. I think to you know, but there is that dark corner, right, where it is filled oh, with yeah. harassment, death threats. Um, sexual stuff, hateful stuff, and and you know the the woke go go woke go broke stuff, and you know a lot of politicizing going on as well. And so, I think that a lot of people have taken the fun out of gaming by doing that. And um, yeah. and I think on top of that, it's also very facetious dialogue, right? Because you should never really come into any kind of debate or discourse about any topic if you're not willing to stand corrected and to your point, no one is willing to stand corrected. No one is willing to be like wrong about anything. And so these, these, these back and forths with these, you know, first name, bunch of numbers, Twitter users, right? It's all, it's all a waste of time because you can put them in their place with like the most devastating comp comeback comment ever. And I've done those before I've shut people down. And they'll just tweet something the next day that's the same as ever. I mean, it's almost like they have amnesia and can't be wrong. It, well, I got sunned in that Twitter thread. Let me start a new thread about another point I want to make that makes no sense either. Right? So you, it's it's a losing battle. Um, and I think that for that reason, I think it's just it's a waste of time to engage with anybody that acts like that. Yeah. I go on banning spree, blocking sprees all the time on Twitter. I just, yeah, I don't yeah. care what console you, you're, you're, you're warrioring for i i will block yeah. the hoe i don't care and i've and i've unfollowed a lot of of like uh, centr- like uh, console centric uh pundits because you know they have a job to do and, and they have a, a, a community and so they cater to that community and so i've i've unfollowed a lot of them because i just don't want to i don't want to engage in that i i, I am you know i i don't care I don't care about that. Like, I don't care. I'm not my I am Xbox in terms of like I I most I play I buy most of my games there, but I have a PlayStation, I have a Switch. I just like to game, you know. And to your point, it's funny because I saw a a meme where it says people play Twitter, where it was like um someone playing like as a gamer playing a video game, and it showed a play guy on PlayStation, and it was the same thing. He was playing. It said sales charts. <laughs> 
<laughs> every up. now and it's like, like every now and again the one will come along you're like damn that was pretty funny but that's but that that's to your point it's like a lot of these playstation xbox and not so much nintendo but there are some of the nintendo fans out there who are are you guys what time when do you guys play games like you guys are oh, on know, defending bro. they're like, on their when, when is it that you're playing the video game yeah that's like, a great it's, point. It's ridiculous. Yeah, dude. And, and a lot of it is also like, listen, if you're trying to pep up Xbox like they're the greatest console ever because you hate PlayStation, but or vice versa, both of those console companies have made a litany of mistakes. So for everything yeah. that you try to throw as a jab to the other fanboy, the other fanboy is going to have something right back to you. And it's just going to be an endless sea of these like th- this this back and forth. And everything cancels itself out eventually, right? Like there yeah. was a lot of like, well, <laughs> Redfall sucked. Oh, yeah. Well, so did Forspoken. Well, that doesn't count because it's not first part. Yeah, but Sony bought it. it, it well, also Xbox bought And it's just like, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but discourse and yeah, nobody yeah. wins in the end everybody looks like an idiot that just wants to be right about something and they all look stupid in the end um, and, it, and it's taking and it's taking things away from people like okay i only have xbox i wish i could have played final fantasy 16 oh man that sucks and you tweet that and all of a sudden you fucking you fucking fanboy you hate it, you hate it you hate it it's like you can't even express disappointment legit disappointment not saying that playstation sucks or xbox sucks it's just oh man i wish i could play final fantasy 16 because i don't own a playstation 5 and it's People you can't even do that sensitive anymore. man it's you, you can't do any of it. It's, yeah. it's crazy. People defending their plastic boxes. Uh, I, I also think, uh, real quick to kind of ra- round this up, uh, is it's a financial thing. I think certain people could only afford one thing, and so they defend that to the end of days because it's the only thing they can actually have. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's and now they have an outlet to, to talk about it in that way where it's like I am I am re-justifying my purchase every fucking day because it's the only thing I was able to get right now. So yeah, it's and, insecurity. And that, and that sucks. It's insecurity. Insecurity. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. All right, Pablo. Well, another way that gaming has changed is that unfinished games are being rushed out the door now more than ever. With more inside reporting that's been shining a light on the extent in which many projects are troubled, including one that we just talked about a little while ago, Perfect Dark. Unfortunately, one example of many. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, Pablo, when you think about this whole unfinished game thing, you think about a lot of the big ones that, you know, the cyberpunks of the world and things like that that have come out and looked completely undercooked. Um, yeah. How do you feel about this becoming such a commonality these days? Um, and, and how has it really affected gaming in your eyes? Yeah, again, this goes back to the video games being the fastest growing and and, and, and one of the most lucrative uh, industries uh, within the entertainment sector. Uh, and that's all about publishing, uh, being greedy and trying to get these games out as soon as possible. I mean, developers are creatives, and I'm sure they want you to play their games, but they are also, in a lot of ways, some of them at least, perfectionists, and they want to get their games right. So a lot of the times, I feel bad for these developers because they're attached to these projects that get rushed out the door because they get ta- it gets taken away from them. And, you know, these publishers are trying to make their money now because a lot of these publishers as well are either new to the industry mm. or they're a conglomerate that just engulfed a different, you know, like a uh, uh, different publisher to publish more games and make more money. And so unfortunately, when it comes to those things, we're getting a lot of mediocre quality games because of the simple fact is the publishers are just out here trying to to make their money and then people's like well you're you're villainizing publishers goddamn right i am it's it's 
when you look at the difference between what a developer does and what a publisher does, the publisher is the one that's going to put that game out, and they and they have a lot of sway. And many and many times they're they're the end all be all of, of the thing if they're not self publishing. So it's just one of those things when you have expectations, you make promises that you shouldn't be making, and then you have people who have deadlines, investors, and this is what yep. we get. You know, the the more thing the the more popular an industry becomes, the 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 hunger for a product becomes more evident and 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 in order to feed that publishers mistake the fact that we want quality over quantity and so they push that shit out and unfortunately that's what we're getting right now in a lot of ways you mean quantity over quality yeah that we want we that we want quantity over quality but in reality we want quality right 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 yeah yeah i understand that one and i will say another angle to this though is also delusion on the part of the developer too um true there's a lot of companies out there a lot of studios rather um, that have a, have a vision that is bigger than their means, right? You think about Starfield. Starfield was supposed to come out last year. That's right. And, it, you know, by all accounts, that would have been a disaster, right? Cyberpunk was supposed to be a much bigger game than what it ended up being, right? And so we got what we got when we got it, right? Even, even little games like Biomutant. Right. That was a game that was Ugh. supposed to be the Swiss Army knife of open world. It was supposed to be a little of this, a little of that. And and on paper that game sounded incredible, but then you saw, damn, they only got twenty people on their team. <laughs> How are you gonna do that, sir? What? Ma'am. Who's your graphics manager? Who's in charge of graphics? <laughs> <laughs> and so and so what you have is like this, like I said, this sense of delusion where it's like, oh, we can pull that off. Or then you hear things like the Bioware magic, right? Or, you know uh, what I mean? Or like recently we heard about Arcane saying something very similar. Oh, you know, don't worry about it. The Arcane magic will kick in for this game. Well, no, it didn't, right? And so, <laughs> and so here you are. Now you have a L project that you probably ruined the future of that IP. You know, not everything for sure. not everything can be in No Man's Sky or a cyberpunk where it all just bounces back and goes back to, you know, a right. good place. Some games just flat out ruin themselves and ruin the, the IP's future completely. And that's what a lot of these companies are risking doing by just not being more realistic about what they can actually do. You know, so manpower and 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 workload and workflow are, are things that a lot of these companies and I understand the pandemic hit everybody hard. Hard. And going into remote only work had changed a lot of things about the scope and vision of a lot of games over the last few years. But it, we're out of that now. And we're still seeing these issues, you know, pro, you know, popping up all the time. So I think it's a combination of publishers needing to kind of pull back a little bit and let these games literally cook. Not literally, I guess that'd be a dumb way of saying it. But you know <laughs> what I mean. And then letting... Put some salt on it. Let it saute them things. And then... <laughs> And also, the, the studios have a part to play as well. If it's not done, then don't pretend like it's done. Don't do that. You know, and, and then maybe, you know, you, you'll have less of the apology tours. Well, we hear your feedback and we understand right. how you, you, you just dodge some bullets, man. Dodge some bullets. But unfortunately, this has become a very, uh, you know, big part of, of current gaming. And I don't know if it's going away anytime soon, man. We keep seeing these no, things I- happen every year. Well, I mean, you know, you know, Game Pass and uh, a lot of other uh, a lot of other streaming services are going to start coming out. Netflix is is getting into the gaming. They're just going to want more and more and more and more. And we're going to see a lot of shit yeah. uh, coming out. A lot of trash games. Oh yeah. 
Well, let's go ahead and move on to the next thing that has changed about gaming, Pablo, and that is that live service games have become the industry's most lucrative yet elusive avenue for revenue streams as a litany of developers continue trying and mostly failing to launch successful games as a service projects. Pablo, you know, we've we've flirted with this before in the past topically, but you know, really looking at this now holistically as an industry issue, how much do you think this is affecting gaming right now and and you know, how much has this kind of changed your outlook on gaming to be honest? I, th- I think this is the most destructive thing to, to game development that's happened in the last wow. 20 years yeah. because of the simple fact that we're getting games that either we're either not getting acclaimed games like Dragon Age, which we're finally going to get that, but the reason that we didn't get it for so long was because it was going to be a game-as-service type of multiplayer thing. Crazy, bro. It's, I think that a lot of these teams that are out there that are talented game developers have been forced to do that. Like Bioware, once again, Anthem, you know, is a game that they were forced to, to, to kind of make, to, to, to do the Destiny-like stuff. And so it, it's, it's very destructive because a lot of these games are finding, trying to find, okay, everybody loves this IP. How can we um, make this more lucrative? How can we make this a game of service? It used to be DLC. Now it's battle passes. How can we implement a battle pass into the single player <laughs> game? I mean, Nuts. it's 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 actually insane. I mean, when you look, when you think about some of my, my favorite memories uh, and multiplayer specific games like Halo, you, there, there's never I've Halo Two, Halo Three. You never there, there's never the whole battle pass. None of that. It was just you play the game. You had the whole suite there available before you, yeah, and you play with your friends and had a good time. Now forever, if, now from the beginning of time to, to from now going on to whenever this world ends anytime you think about a multiplayer game rainbow six which i fucking love there's monetization there's there's the battle passes they've implemented these things into these games over and over however i will say that, that even though it's been the most destructive thing to gaming in terms of ideas and development and new ip and, and old ip coming back and it being completely restructured to fit this narrative I think that it also has made certain games better. I think that it's elongated certain games. It's made those games that would have been one-off games uh, a little bit uh, games that are, are are like really interesting. Once again, an example: Rainbow Six. Rainbow Six Vegas One and Two were great games. Had the had those really cool uh, uh, terrorist modes. Mm-hmm. But you, those don't, they didn't last long, you know? After a while, they were just gone into the ether. Nobody played them. Uh, and now with Rainbow Six and this whole entire kind of battle pass and adding more and then keeping a live service game has made this game from its 2015 release to now almost a completely different game in a lot of ways, but it's kept it fresh. It's kept it new. Even Call of Duty has suffered this from 2, 3, you know, Modern Warfare. All these multiplayer games were coming and going, coming and going. And now with Warzone, all these things, not only of these games improving but they're growing within that and i think that that's a really interesting way of looking at multiplayer games now so there it's not all bad but no, there's definitely yeah. things that that in terms of like an industry-wide issue with people who develop games and people who have ideas are now being forced to okay great idea i love that idea how can you put this microtransaction into the last of us three can we get uh, abby's uh, muscles a little bit strong can we get a different shirt on her <laughs> like i'm sure that's not happening there but i'm in terms of like why are you picking on abby about, bro <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I love Abby. She's one she, Abby all the way. I'm Team Abby all the way. But what I'm saying is, this is one of those things where it's like now your favorite IP of all time is in danger of becoming a life service in some way or the other, which is fucking horrifying to think about. When you know, yeah, yeah. It to me, um, 
the risk reward aspect of it is I think one of the biggest delusions that I think, you know, a lot of companies have right now, you know, where it's like, man, it takes a lot of parts to make a money printer, but if we can put it together without an instruction manual and it works, then we print money, (laughs) you know, but it's like, yeah, but you know, you think of what you could have been doing instead of that, you know, rather than rolling the dice, have a, a, you know, limp out of the gate with a weak live service game and then sunset it within a year's time. You know, like how many times have, have do we need to see that before a lot of companies go, all right, Fortnite is going to be Fortnite. Warzone is going to be Warzone. Apex is going to be Apex. Destiny is going to be Destiny. And Rainbow is going to be Rainbow. And, you know, like at some point you got to concede somewhere, you know, but yeah. it feels like a lot of companies are like, no, no, we can get a piece of the pie. We'll make a live service game that has the art style of Fortnite, the 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 the, the gameplay mechanics of a Rocket League, and blah blah blah. You know, and it's just like these weird gumbo games. I always refer to where if we take a little of that, we put a little of that, we throw a little of that in there. It's everything people love from all the live service games. This is going to be a hit, and it never works, no. bro. So it's like you know, look. At a certain point, like I said, you gotta let you gotta let the leaders lead. And right now, you're not beating Fortnite. You, you know, the, because live service games are life are, are lifestyle games. It's just it's yeah. a part of people's day to day life, and you got to do a lot to pry people out of Fortnite and Warzone when they always have a new season with new stuff coming out that is perpetually interesting to that fan base. You are not oh, yeah. gonna get a piece of that pie, and so that's why a lot of people are frustrated at Sony right now for going in that direction because it's like, oh my God, why are you trying this? When you've watched everybody fall by the wayside and you think you somehow have the secret sauce that everybody doesn't have, right? It's frustrating, and I I totally empathize with that. The one benefit that I will say is that, in principle, live service games can be great because one of the complaints about the old days of multiplayer games was that, man, I just just started getting into this, and now the next game's coming out. You know, like you had like like nine good months with the Call of Duty before it was like over with, you know? And it's like, damn, I really liked this one, and the next one isn't so good now i'm screwed and nobody's playing the old game anymore now if you like it you can actually exist with it and grow with it for the next few years and it's like oh okay i don't have to walk away from this like there were some battlefield games that i man it broke my heart when the community left because i'm like man you don't know you don't know how good this one was so to be able to you know mitigate that yeah. is great we had so much fun with battlefield oh. My God, and and Bad Company too. That's my favorite one of all time. Yeah, Shout yeah. out to Bad Company too. But you know there are that it could be a good move in earnest. But that's the thing; it's not in earnest. It's like we want your money, and we want your money, and we want your money, and we want right. you to care about things that really don't matter. And it's like I just don't. I mean, you know, look, if the younger generation's all about it. They're all about the emotes and the you know cosmetics and stuff. And to an extent, you know, you and me have cared about that to a lesser degree in the past. But it's like, sure. my God, get out of my wallet. And let me just have fun. You know, it's just not it's just not in earnest anymore. So it's a damn shame. But let's move on to the next one. Pablo gaming is changing another way. According to Matt Booty, he says that the days of two to three year development cycles for AAA games, Pablo, are over. Instead, he believes that four to six year development times will be the norm. How do you feel about that? First of all, I want to say, you know how good you got to be at your job for your last name to be booty. Nobody can say a damn thing. Yeah. And people still hire your ass? Anyway, um, <laughs> I think this is just kind of just what I was saying with the first, uh, with cross-gen in, in terms of 30, uh, 30 frames, is the fact that 
people are getting more ambitious. The technology is getting a lot better and people are wanting to do more. And because you're wanting to do more, you're wanting to perfect those things and make sure that those things are, are, are those gameplay mechanics, that, that visual uh, art style is, is pristine. And so it's taking a lot because it, it, before it used, it used to be like John Carmack and some other dude making one game and it's like a hit, right? And then move on to the next, like six months development cycle, whatever the case may be. And those games are rudimentary, simple games. That's not the case anymore. These games are super complex. There's a lot that going into them and a lot of people are not just making a, 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 a 2D side-scrolling platformer anymore. They're making a 2D plus 3D platformer <laughs> that transitions into a whole 3D. I mean, look at the uh, Plucky Squire game. This is like a storybook game that then you jump out into the real world. It's like there's so much stuff, and that stuff is awesome when it works, and it's, it's really cool. These ideas that you can only think of in your head now are becoming reality, uh, uh, you know, in front of your screen. That's all cool, but this is the the, the consequence of that. You got to give it more time. Four to six years is it just it's gonna be what's what's and that's just gonna be what's happening from now on and I think and I think in a lot and I think four to six years in some cases is conservative I mean rock rockstar's been doing that shit for years oh, yeah. you know yeah. taking a decade between games because they're just you know they're 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 they don't create games like all right conceptually go they sets out systems and do things here and there and then they start putting these things together and I think a lot of more people are taking uh, that into consideration and are working in that way and there's a lot more companies out there who again want to make games and they're giving some, some of these companies are doing it the right way and giving developers their time mm. you know so yeah. that, that, that I, I, I don't feel I feel I feel like it sucks because they gotta wait longer between games, but I understand it. And this is the one that I kind of understand. Just it's just the way the this kind of thing, these, these kind of things works. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree with you. I think that the the counter to that not a counter, but maybe like the other side of the coin that I think is a factor too. I hate to say is also like manpower turnover. Um, not right. having a you know a good workflow, things like that, you know, or or, or concise, clear vision of a project that can make right. It's very important, right? Yeah. You can you can lose a whole year just off of what do we want this game to be, you know, and and have a, another perfect dark situation. Uh, not to keep bullying that game, but just you know that's a that's a prime example mm. of just wasted time, you know. So a lot of it is also like. Get your vision straight. Make sure you have the right people on your team and get a workflow that actually makes sense, right? Because otherwise, you're going to get to six years of development time, not because the game really needed that long, but because you just didn't do things the right way. I I wonder if there's a way to, to pull this, or uh, not us, but anybody who has access to it, and ask people how long are games in a conceptual state, comparatively speaking, to a couple of years ago? Because I mm. feel you're right. I feel like... This game is in a concept state in terms of us trying to figure it out because we're trying to make the most perfect game of all time. So when it comes right. out, it sells 100 million copies. Like I feel like that's that's part of it. So I wonder how how far how, how much how many how long are, are gaming think tanks and and, and trying to kind of get out there before they're actually getting their hands on developing the game developing the game itself. So that's interesting to to kind of figure that yeah. out because I think that might be part of the problem as it well. It very well could. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and move on, Pablo, to the next one. Maybe not so bad of a, of, of a thing that's changed about gaming, but nevertheless, film and TV adaptations of video game IPs have become more prominent and arguably more successful than ever, uh, thanks to a rise in high-grossing and or critically acclaimed projects. Um, you know, I think we're, we're, we're all kind of used to... Uh, 
most video game adaptations being absolute junk and that is kind yeah. of changing when it comes to pop culture and with you know more prestige projects out there how do you feel about this and and and, and what yeah. do you think is how that's affecting you know gaming as a whole yeah video game as a whole is very young and so as an industry but now we're getting people who've grown up with video games who are in this industries who actually have love for the for the IP mm. they're not just trying to uh, make a quick buck Based on, oh, Mario's cool. Let's make that 1991 Mario movie starting John Leguizamo and, and, and Bob Hoskins. It's like, what? What are you talking about? It, it, they're now putting love into these games because they grew up with it. There, there's a passion behind it in a way that I've never seen before. Sure, there's still a lot of... Uh, there's still a lot of halos out there, but for every halo now, we are getting the last of us, you know, you know, and, and things that we've never seen before. A game developer, Neil Druckmann, also now being a showrunner, you know, flexing that creative muscle beyond that is super impressive. And I think that's what's a lot of helping these and people generally understanding what this what it what's about. Like the Uncharted movie is fine, but the thing that that movie nails is that they understand what Uncharted is. And I think that that's very important and it goes a long way because you're not just getting these terrible Resident Evil uh, movies with Mila Jovich that don't un really understand what Resident Evil are, just are these w weird fucking uh, uh, video game adaptations yeah. of not a video game, just uh, of the idea of what they think Resident Evil is. It's crazy. Uh, oh, Nemesis? Okay, what does he look like? Oh, we're just going to put him in this movie and we're not really going to understand how that works. Yeah. So it, that, that's we used to see a lot of that. Now we're seeing a lot of, of passion and I like that. It's just uh, people growing up with the product, understanding it, getting into the entertainment industry, and then delivering something that not only are they passionate about, but it's, it's, it's it, they're, they're doing it and in, in going about it in very interesting ways. So this is probably the best thing that's come of of like uh, like out of all the things we talked about, like this is like the most positive thing that's that's come of this so far. So that's super interesting. Uh, Fallout series is coming out at the end of this year, I think. Possibly, uh, uh, I think that there's a Mass Effect series that's been in the works or, or talks. Yeah, Mass of Effect. Doing we that. got yeah, a lot of the ones. the uh, the uh, what's the other one that's coming out? The Sony one. Oof. Oh, well, there's a Gran Turismo movie. <laughs> hey, hey, real quick. I, I want to go see the Indiana Jones movie, and they played the trailer of that movie. Uh, it was a, it's another trailer. It's the same, but it had a little more... It low-key caught a fire, bro. Uh -oh. I ain't gonna lie. I was like, I was kind of like, okay, like it is kind of... I don't know. I, something about it was like, okay, this maybe this isn't a complete disaster. But the other one was uh, Twisted Metal. That looked crazy. Oh, my God. Bad. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that's <laughs> the thing. Like, it, it's still yeah. gonna be inconsistent. I think it's, it's yeah. just nice to know that you don't have to be 100% skeptical anytime you hear, oh, they're making an adaptation, and you immediately go, oh, God. This That's is right. going to be awful. Now there's a little sliver of hope that you can go, all right, well, maybe because, you know, okay, let's say HBO gets another, you know, license. Well, let's see what they did with The Last of Us. And then maybe they can, you know, kind of yeah, bring that Yeah, yeah, that'd be so, super exciting. Yeah, I, I think that the theme behind this one is that there's still doubt that there's still the chance you're going to get a Halo series with Master Cheeks. And then there's also... <laughs> and then there's also the potential you're going to get something that's actually... John 69. Yeah. yeah. Spartan John 69. <laughs> and then you're going to get, you know, the possibility of something cool. So I just think that it's nice to, to your point that, you know, people are grasping, uh, the, you know, the gaming IP a lot better. I will say, though, that there is a part of this that, you know, I think, you know, with, with the comic book thing, Marvel and DC stuff being so tapped out yeah. right now that I think a lot of like Hollywood is looking for that next wave of IP they don't have to create that already has a fan base that they can just go, well, why don't we use that? 
you know? So I think there's still the chance of like a lot of them just kind of wanting a franchise or an IP because of, you know, the, the amount of fans and, and sale, you know, sales, uh, throughout the history of a franchise, like a fallout or something more so than actually knowing or having a passion for that actual IP. So there's still going to be a lot of the Hollywood hijinks around that. You know, and and a lot of the weird casting decisions because they need to, they need to have a that guy has to be the lead, even though that yeah. that is the worst pick for that character because of the games. You know, like there's going to be a lot of that in the future still, but it is better and there is more promise now than there was in the past for sure. Um, yeah, and, and and you know, again, it's still not like super easy to make these films. I was like, Jordan is a Jordan Voigt Roberts. He's a huge gamer, a filmmaker, mm-hmm. and he's been trying to get Metal Gear Solid made with Oscar Isaac for years uh but he's a huge metal gear fan so i'm kind of interested to see what that would look like with oscar isaac but so we're still not all the way there where they're just greenlighting these movies left and right but i feel like once they start doing that we're gonna see some really cool creatives who are really passionate about projects making even doper shit so it's gonna be awesome hopefully man it won't just be like the zelda animated movie with bradley cooper voicing zelda or something weird like that Uh, let's move forward pablo the next thing that's changed about gaming, my friend, AAA developers might be gradually moving to digital-only releases to cut cost and potentially mitigate the resale market. How do you feel about that? You know, when we think about like Alan Wake 2, right? Like most recent yeah. example, there was even a time when we heard Starfield might be another example of that. That was a real like, oh my God moment. Um, you know, yeah. what do you think the potential is of this happening, I guess? And how would this impact gaming in your mind based on that? Yeah, it's it's weird because you know you go from like Laserdisc to to VHS to DVD to Blu-ray and now it's digital. So it's like every every advancement before now has been a physical advancement. Now it's a digital one. So it's kind of hard to grasp and be like, I kind of even though I've not bought a physical version of a game in years, mm. I I would lament that this would go away. However, I don't think this is the end all be all of that. I do think that bigger companies uh, potentially could still do a special edition run or something or a limited run of, of these physical discs. There could be a market. There's already limited run games uh, for these companies to actually release uh, these physical games and preserve them that way. So and the conversation about preservation of games also comes into mind because without the physical version, you have to kind of trust that the digital library in which you're purchasing now is going to be with you forever. Mm-hmm. And that's probably not going to always be the case. So there's a lot of like implementation, uh, implementations of certain things like that, like video game preservation that comes into mind when these games will completely go out of, of being physical to digital. But it's just one of those things where I hate to be so kind of like, blase about it but it's come almost like par for the course at, at this point like yeah mitigating costs that makes sense sure because of the fact that you know printing this is expensive sure the games stay the same price but maybe that'll help for the games not to go up to like 120 dollars in a couple of mm-hmm. years or something like that so i mean i would i'd be willing to take that hit if, if i'm not if i have to pay less in my video games but you know it, it's it's right now it's a it's a super like it's super weird but even then um, for a long time, when you looked at the price of a PC game as a console game, the PC game was always cheaper because of the fact that it was usually always digital. Uh, hopefully, we get to that when it comes to the console game itself. When it's digital, then it'll be cheaper. You know, uh, hopefully, people do take advantage of that or don't take advantage of that and, and start to, to. Okay, we're not. This game's not coming out like Alan Wake Two. 
what the example would be. This game isn't coming out uh, physically, but it's thirty nine ninety nine or forty nine ninety nine or something like that. Mm-hmm. But that'll never happen. But in terms of like that, would be like the the the, the silver lining here. But yeah, unfortunately, just kind of par for the course. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, uh, you know, I understand that for collectors, it's 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 bad. It's a bad omen for people that just yeah. don't trust digital releases. It's it's a bad omen, but. I think we've had a lot of time to make our piece about a digital future for gaming. And, you know, yeah. and when you look at indies, right, um, most indie games are digital only anyway. Most of them. You know, it's very seldom, right. or maybe not seldom, but it's not as often where you get a physical release and a digital release simultaneously. Um, so it is something that has been prevalent in gaming. I think, it, to me, it was only a matter of time for the other shoe to drop and for AAA yeah. developers to go, hmm, maybe that's viable for us too, right? Because as much as, you know, it, the, the, the resale market, you know, is, it, it is a nagging issue for a lot of these, you know, publishers and, and even, you know, the Sonys and Microsofts and Nintendos of the world. Um, and they want to get around that in any way they can. And I think if there's ever been a time to do that, it's now where digital games have become more commonly accepted than they were 10, 15, yeah. 20 years ago, you know, um, where it was just in its infancy and no one trusted it completely. Um, now you have a chance to kind of pull that off. I think that the problem is, what is the incentive for the gamer, right? Other than, well, the convenience of being able to download it instead of having to go to GameStop. And did you want to pre-order Madden while you're here? Like, you know, (laughs) yeah, you get to dodge that bullet, but what's the, what else do I get out of it? Because some companies may say, you know what, because we're not going physical, we can bump it down 10 bucks, keep it at $60 and you're good. And there's also going to be companies that are going to skip the physical copies and still charge you 70. And and so it's like, all right, well then how did I get out of this, you know, any better off than I was before, you know? So there's a little of that too, but I think overall to your point, I'm a little bit passive about it as well. Although I can empathize with people who are more collection driven that want the physical copy and want that experience of going to the store, buying it, you know, and opening it up, reading the manual, which they stopped making meaningful manuals forever ago, which that is something I do miss by the way, but it's just (laughs) a fact of life, man. Games are changing in this way. And I think it's, uh, this is one of the the ones where we have to kind of go, yeah, I don't maybe love it, but I get it. And again, the preservation of games sucks. It comes into question because I I can go I can go into the closet and and, and pull out uh, Super Mario World and my Super Nintendo and play that physically. Yeah. Like like twenty years from now, I'm like I feel like playing uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution. How did he <laughs> become an internet? Oklahoman in that process? Though? What happened? <laughs> no, you never know what happened, man. A lot of things happened uh, in, in twenty years. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're almost through our list here. Uh, the next one on our list of things that have changed about gaming is that industry consolidation is ramping up, Pablo, as acquisitions and mergers rage on. While simultaneously, the inner dealings of um, you know the competitive pissing matches between these companies have become more publicized and in public domain than ever before. So, how do you feel yeah. about you know how acquisitions and mergers have become this this frontline issue or topic or you know situation in gaming and and all the things we we've really learned behind the scenes that you wonder should we have known about this? Yeah, yeah. I my my thing with that is. My theme through this whole section has been the industry, as video game industry, is a new industry. Mm. And it is currently maturing. And while it's maturing, all these things that are happening seem to be happening quick because they are. It's the fastest growing industry. I've already said that. And all these things are happening, are coming to a head right now. When you look at the film industry, 
this ha- this happened already with them, you know, mm. with Disney buying 20th Century Fox and, and all these uh, and Lucasfilm and, and Marvel and all this, all these conglomerates coming together and being one entity. You got WB, you got MGM Studios, you got Paramount, you got you got Sony Pictures. You got a very small window of top companies who, at one point or the other, didn't have all these entities attached to them. You know, like all these things have com- have come together in one over time. There, and I use that as an example because that's what's happening right now with these with the industry. It's 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 huge. It's very lucrative, and so everybody wants their money in it. And the way they do that, it's growing, growing, growing. And the fastest way of growing, sure, you can just go ahead and go into the farm system and slowly grow something, right? But really, the fastest way of doing it, it's the way of Xbox has been doing it, where it's just purchasing up big companies, assets, IPs, and that's the way of doing it. Especially when it comes to to to, to growing as fast as you possibly can. And it, it, the fact that we're living in the world that we're living in now, where we have Twitter, we have Facebook, we have all the social media available. We just have so much information on our in hand that we're now seeing all the dealings, backroom dealings, everything. It's not new. It's just we have access to it. You know, a lot of people see the world is is going to shit, and it is, but it isn't new. It's just that we have access to it now. We have ways to see what's happening in France, what's happening over here, what's happening down the street, what's happening everywhere else. Now we're seeing these dealings. We some of us were sitting through uh, doing our work day, sit, listening to a fucking uh, uh, FTC Microsoft uh, uh, here. Like, that's crazy. The amount of access that we have now is absolutely insane. It's awesome, but also hurtful because we color a lot of what's happening in our own heads and then we make it something that it's not. Mm -hmm. You know, we we become professionals in things that we're not professionals in and we're completely fucking it up when we're trying to explain it to people like we know what the hell we're talking about. But anyway, I digress. In terms of what's happening with all this, it's just the newness of the industry and it maturing so fast because it's growing so fast has now given these these, these things like, for example, like, like, you know, all these companies coming together, acquisitions, mergers, and it's not going to stop for a very long time because that's just the way uh, these things happen. That's a very interesting point I didn't think about. Almost like a nature taking its course kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. th- that's a very interesting take on it. And I, I don't think that's entirely wrong, uh, to be honest with you. I think the fear with industry consolidation through all these mergers and acquisitions is like creative bankruptcy, you know, like through yeah. through the consolidation, you, you end up under one management one one leadership and and whatever that leadership prioritizes is what you are and maybe some of the creativity and diversity of games can get lost in the shuffle um maybe not all the way but there is a risk of that happening through uh consolidating like that and of course i um oh go ahead go ahead i think that's a really good point because it's happening in film it is true that yeah that's that, you know, yeah it's, yeah it, it, it already happened in film, so that's the fear, and it's. And I think it's a, it, it's it's rightfully you're putting your fears in the right spot because I talked about it happening in the film industry and where we are right now. Like Disney's Disneyfied everything, yes. Indiana Jones, Marvel, Star Wars. Like it all has the same vibe and feel. You can watch a movie and know, oh, unique. that's Disney, or that's you know, you can just exactly feel yeah, it out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you can watch Star Wars Episode Four, New Hope, and then you can watch, uh, <laughs> you know, the the you can watch the the newest yeah. Star Wars movie, and you know, you see the difference yeah. in like. Oh, they don't get it. So they're just making their own thing. So it's ridiculous. Yeah, and, and and I think there's also like the nefarious side of it, with like okay, the ten cents of the world, right? Like mm. they are weird, shady, and quiet. 
and it's like, ugh, you're buying up all these studios we like, man. What do you, ugh, you know? Yeah. So there's a little of that too. And then like you have Embracer Group, which you know picked up a bunch of studios. You know, last uh, I think it was this year or last year. I don't remember when it was. I think it was. I think it was late. It last year. It might have been. Yeah. And then and then we find out recently. Oh, well, they've canceled a bunch of projects and they're liquidating studios. And it's like, oh my god. Well, God, man. There goes the hope of like you know seeing that game come back or seeing this franchise get a, you know some shine. So then it just it gets a little spooky with that side of it. Um, it does. As far as like you know the window into the competitive dealings between like the Sony's and the Microsofts of the world, I think it it's interesting to know more about the business workings of of these companies. But I almost feel like a lot of us have become so obsessed with it that the purity of just playing games to have fun is kind of getting lost in the shuffle. It, it kind of ties mm. back into console fanboyism as well because everyone's armed with knowledge they probably shouldn't have. And, well, Phil said and uh, the FTC hearing that blah, blah, you know, it's like, yeah, but like, just go play a game like go like so like <laughs> you just lose sight of like the whole point of this hobby and passion you know through knowing so much of the like i'm I be, i'm trying to get myself out of that i know we have a podcast to do we, we should know that stuff sure, but sure, sure. i also want to kind of revert back to a like a more pure like mindset about gaming and not like play a game and then think about Oh, I'm playing Final Fantasy 16, but man, that exclusivity deal, and man, I wonder how Microsoft feels yeah, about yeah. like. And I'm thinking about that while playing the game. Like, I just want to experience a game for what it is, and not have all that stuff, you know, knocking around in my brain. And maybe that's just that's a right. Marco thing, but I do think that's a potential issue that the uh, has affected you know gaming discourse as well. Um, but let's move on, Pablo, to the last one uh, of, of, you know, things that has changed about gaming. And unfortunately, this one is that E3 is dead for good, Pablo, and that really instead of uh, these these live presentations, uh, we, we tend to have predominantly digital-only presentations by the big three, uh, along with, of course, the Keeleys and stuff like that uh, that have kind of replaced yeah. uh, the E3 era once and for all. So how do you feel about that? Do you think it's a, a good thing? Do you think it's a weird thing? And, and how do you feel about these kind companies moving in that direction in terms of the industry it's a weird thing because the way i consume and the way we consumed e3 was always digitally anyway through digital presentations but there was a moment in time or a moment in 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 june where for three four days we got reveals we got all the news in one place and it just felt like okay this is a time where i'm going to take to kind of uh delve into to this new game that was announced and understand what they're doing and kind of look at it. and that's not no longer the case um everything is spread out through many 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 months and it's all just scattered brain and it just it's kind of like it doesn't matter like they call it the summer game fest but it doesn't really matter like that's not really a thing where people all come together in one spot yeah they have the one show but other than that you know it's all very isolated and it's all very uh it just doesn't feel like like it did with E3. I remember mm-hmm. E3 just being that, that time, that moment in time where it's just like all those things are coming together. You get all the news in those four or five days, and it's it, it, it's spectacle. It's Nintendo going first, Xbox, PlayStation closing out the show. Everything in one place, kind of really selling you on video games in a way that they don't really do anymore. You know, you, you got companies unfortunately who don't need E3 and 
they make they, they they let you know about it oh like playstation we don't need this we're, we're out of here like and it's like man okay but how about the consumer man how about us we want to see this we want to see what you guys got cooking we want to see what you guys got next we got we want to see the future of the console and now we're at the whim of the of them whenever they feel like doing mm-hmm. it because e3 is no longer a necessity so it kind of sucks because now there's nothing really looked to as, as a as a hobbyist of the video game i i, I don't have anything to look forward to other than <laughs> waking up one day hoping they announce something dope tweet something uh, you know, out yeah <laughs> yeah you know, within the next four or five months of summer it's like all yeah. right cool so it, it does suck i get it i i do i understand it because they don't need it it's not a necessity for the big companies but i do feel bad because smaller companies suffer from that you know a lot of people were sold their games at e3 and now they they're 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 that doesn't exist anymore so you know the packs still do and whatnot, yeah. but that's not the same thing. They don't get the same level of, of industry uh, big wigs or, or, or power hitters coming in and looking at your game. So it, it's unfortunate. It, it's another thing that the more these things grow, um, the more the less of these little small intimate things that used to be a thing that we look forward to exist, and that's just the case right now. Yeah, I think for me, it's uh, it's all about controlling their own messaging. You know, when when you get yeah. up on a stage and you're you know doing this performative thing. Like the old days where, you know, someone comes up, grabs a controller, does a stage demonstration, and then you got to hope that the build they brought up there doesn't crash. And, you know, <laughs> and then the dancers come up there and do some weird number like Ubisoft's always uh, do. You know, like you, you never know what you're going to get. And I think that they've taken a lot of the variables out of that kind of thing. And they don't care so much about, you know, reaching out and touching the, you know, the, the gamer uh, on a one to one level like a PAX does anymore or being that in, you know, involved with the press in that way anymore. I think they kind of want to control their message just the way they want it, run it through all the filters internally that they need to, and say that's our, our, our focus moving forward. And, you know, to some degree, I think it it has been good in some ways because, yeah. you know, even if showcases aren't always great, at least they you feel like, okay, that is exactly how they wanted it to come out. There was no accident that happened in the presentation. Nobody's stage demonstration broke or somebody took too long presenting the next game (laughs) and it it just threw off and everybody had to rush. There's none of that weird behind-the-scenes jank anymore. Now it's just exactly what they wanted, and so it's just a more pure thing. But then again, I think the problem with these presentations, and we've talked about it in the past, is a lot of them are just fluffy. And a lot of them are just paid yeah. billboards that they, you know they're rented out to these companies. Hey, we get this many viewers when we do a state of play. Come show your game, but pay up, you know. Like, and that's kind of yeah. it, it. Just doesn't feel earnest anymore, and it feels more like, hey, we'll just put a bunch of bullshit together that no one really cares about, but we get paid by all these publishers and developers to do and it. And also, and also, like, does it does that help them? Because you got PlayStation, you got developers paying. $20,000 to be on a PlayStation State of Play and then PlayStation puts together the <laughs> shittiest State of Play you've ever seen and all you get is people talking about that was horrible yeah. so nobody's talking about the game that they paid $20,000 to see uh, to, to put on their State of Play now everybody's talking about how shitty that State yeah. of Play was so it's not really, does that work? Yeah. Like that's weird Even if your game is like the one bright spot of, of a showcase yeah. it's still like the, the L showcase and then people thought oh that's alright that game was alright but you know you, you lose even if you had a good a good you know trailer or something yeah. And, uh, so it's like how how much how much of your of your narrative are you really controlling when you're because if you were if you put all that in one weekend in E3 you'll get you'll have the big announcements mm-hmm. and the small announcements it's all there so people are, are gonna get their fill but if you sparse these things out yeah 
and it's like the state of play, and then six months later you get a showcase that's not very good. It's that that's not it's not good for your no. for your narrative. And then and then yeah. the other problem is like you know what they show. You know, like you'll get yeah. like the CG trailer um, showcases where it's like, I don't even know what the hell your game looks like for real. You're just showing me like this 30 second proof of concept or a splash screen of a logo. And you think that's supposed to get me hyped. And then, you know, then we don't hear from you for six months, you know. So it's like, OK, yeah, you controlled your message, but your message sucked because we yep. don't even know anything about your games. That's what happened with the, <laughs> the, the PlayStation showcase. All those damn, um, you know, live service games they revealed and you barely saw gameplay from anything. So it's like, well, you know, okay, well, what did that accomplish actually? So, you know, it's, it's cool because they get to control their message, but if your message sucks, then it doesn't really matter how you're doing it right. on stage or digitally. It's, it, if it sucks, it sucks. So, you know, the, 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 the flaws are still unavoidable, you know, but, um, yeah, Rest in peace, E3, man. Um, But uh, that is going to cover our checkpoint, talking about all the things that have uh, changed about gaming, mostly for the worse, but some things are eh, all right. But that was an interesting conversation. A little bit on the negative side. I mean, there are some positives about gaming, of course, but, you know, it is a very strange time in gaming right now. So I think it was... As he, uh, on a human level, change is never great for us. It's always... Especially when money's involved. ...met with skepticism. Yeah, it's always met with skepticism. Yeah. Always. No matter how good it is. Like, I'm about to have a kid, and I'm like, my life is about to change. Am I going to be a good dad? Oh, God, this is going to completely change the way I live. And it does, but, I mean, it's 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 all for the good. You just got to give it time. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully. But uh, we'll just see how things change as we go. But that is going to do it for our checkpoint, and that's going to do it for this week's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, we hope you enjoyed listening to us this week. If you did, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at It's Cooldown Time and subscribe to our show wherever you stream podcasts so that you don't miss our future episodes. Uh, thank you for listening. We will see you next week. Peace out. Make me feel good.